The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Well, I think it's a whole lot more than just entertainment and information. I think it's mostly entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, it, we're... Getting up there in, in the rankings of entertainment. I mean, I think we're about six thousand in uh, in terms of the most entertaining shows known to man. Really? Yeah, <laughs> we're in the top six thousand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, including the original Honeymooners and uh, I Love Lucy. We're right above I Love Lucy right now. Yeah. Uh, Heart Health Radio has a plan. We know the stories that we want to get to, but honestly. We'll stop anything. Yeah, you know, we, if you we prepare uh, yeah. to discuss things that we think are of great interest sure. to our listeners, but also to ourselves. But when the when the calls come in, that is the highlight. And the number, yeah, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. No, you go. go. Number is 919-860-9783. Don't think. Just because they're already talking about something that, you know, we, we won't interrupt ourselves. Yeah, and I think also um, it's okay to want to listen to what we have on right. tap. But if something, you know, uh, just just hits you, uh, even if it's not about what we're talking about, pick up the phone. Because got, we, we love hearing from you. We need to talk about monkeypox at some point because there are now 80 cases worldwide. And as you well know... Next week, we might have three times that. Yeah, um, but, but are... I, I want people to relax about it because I don't think uh, we need to be all uh, worried about it. Okay. Um, hospitals are rationing CT scans. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary, and we'll talk about why. Uh, it's not because uh, we've become uh, like England where we ration care, or Canada like we ration care. It's It's because of... What's happening in the world today? And it's kind of scary. We are not the men that our dads were. I knew this. No. Um, and and that is what? You sent me the story. Yeah. And I didn't read it, but I assume this has to do with testosterone. Yeah. And it's kind of scary um, because you know, I'm not one of these environmental wackos, as I like to say, although there's a lot of non-wacko stuff about the environment. Sure. But we've got to explain this, and I think it's a shocking situation. Uh, I'm one of the people who has this condition, and the question is why? And it's affecting American men uh-huh. um, all over the board. Okay. And Neil Armstrong, his death may have been a terrible error, and it was uh, a cardiac error. Talk and, about this, please. Yeah. You want to just go for it? Sure. Yeah. So Neil Armstrong, first man to walk on the moon, a a tremendous uh, American, a great human being. And he wound up having to have bypass surgery late in life Mm -hmm. and never walked out of the hospital. 
And <clears throat> what happened to him was actually something that I've seen several times. And you don't see it much anymore because of incidents like his. So when you have bypass surgery, they open up your chest. They don't actually take out the blockages. Well, you know, sometimes they do. Uh, that's called an endarterectomy, but it's very rare. <clears throat> so just imagine you're trying to get through Clayton on Route 70, yeah. and there are all these stoplights. Okay. So they make a bypass where you can run around without any stoplights. Yeah. And so they take veins and arteries from the rest of your body, and they so above the blockage and below the blockage, so blood can flow. And then they, you know, start your heart back up and close you up. Yeah. Well, sometimes after surgery, your heart goes too slow. You know, instead of beating lump, bump, lump, bump. Yes. It's lump, bump. And they want it faster. So coming out of your side are these little teeny weeny wires. They're called pacemaker wires. Sure. And they're not permanent. They're put in with a little teeny weeny suture on the outside of the muscle. Mm -hmm. And then it's poked through the chest and the wire goes through and it's wrapped up in a coil and taped to your side. And, you know, it's very rare. But if the nurses and the technicians note that your heart is going too slow, they can rush up and put on an external temporary pacemaker box Okay. And get your heart beating stronger again. Yeah. Not stronger, I'm sorry, but faster. Well, after it's all done and you're ready to go home, okay, it used to be that a nurse or a technician or somebody would walk up to you as you're, you know, putting your shoes on and all this other stuff and no yank the wires out. No kidding. Did they do that to you? No, I never you had didn't this. didn't have wires? No. Well, maybe they've cut back. Anyway... It's fine. I mean, 99.99 times out of percentage, sure. you're fine. They just yank the wires out. How far do the wires go inside you? What do you mean? I mean, are we talking about a three-foot wire connected to something inside you? Yeah, it's hooked onto your muscle, okay? Little little fish hook at the end. Little and you tiny thing. Little teeny weeny. I know it's thin, but is it long? Uh, well, I mean... It, Depends on how long they want to make the wires, but you know we used to curl them up. I'd say about two feet long, and so you could hook up a temporary pacemaker. So they went up to Neil, you know, and they yanked the wires. Uh. And unfortunately, the one bad side effect or complication yeah. happened. He bled, and so the bleeding uh, goes into the chest cavity. Yeah. And surrounds the heart and compresses the heart. And it's, it, you know, it's like, okay, you pull the wires and this happens. What do you do? Right. You drain the blood off, either sure. through a needle sure. or you open it up and drain the blood off. But unfortunately, they didn't understand what happened. And I think they thought that maybe he plugged up his bypasses because they took him to the cath lab. Yeah. And when you take somebody to the cath lab, you know, you're you're going to go look and see if you've blocked your arteries, and they didn't catch it in time that he'd bled. Now I've and been he in died. I've been inside the cath lab. Yeah. It looks to me, a civilian, yeah. like a surgical suite. Well, but now it's they are. Not. Most no, 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 some of them are. Okay. So, for example, we talked about these artificial heart valves that are put in through a heart catheterization. Yeah. They're also surgery suites. Right, okay. And the reason is, suppose you go in there and, you know, the one out of a million times Amen. when yeah. things get ripped open, 
you can cut the chest open and fix it right then and there. But they didn't consider that he was bleeding after pulling the pacemaker wires, and he died. And so they got $6 million in a settlement. But can you imagine right. if you had that burden on you? Sure. You're, I mean, you're the, the first who... man that walked on the moon. Right, right. So it's a sad situation. But again, if you're out there and you're going to have bypass surgery, ask if you're going to have external pacemaker wires afterwards. And then ask, can I be monitored for a few hours after the wires are pulled to make sure I don't have what's called tamponade? That is the medical term, tamponade. That means the blood that is leaking from where they pulled the pacemaker wires is compressing the heart muscle so you can't generate the force of a heartbeat to maintain your blood pressure. Now, I have a, a um, trivia question for you. Sure, yeah. What is the greatest misquote in history? The greatest? The greatest oh, misquote. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, I, I know. What? It's it, Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Right, Neil what Armstrong. was the greatest misquote in okay, history? Okay, here's what he did. He, he flubbed the line. No, he didn't flub the line. He didn't flub the line. Here's the story. What is it? So he thought about this. All the time that yeah. he was uh, named to be the first man on the moon. And that is, what do you say? Yeah, what do you say? Okay. So he came up with a really great line. Yeah. Because he considered himself just a regular guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the longing was, that's one f- small step for a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One giant leap for mankind. And in fact, you know. They they came out with it's one small step for man, one small step, one large giant leap for mankind. He said it doesn't make any sense that way. Right, right. Because the whole point was he took a man. Yeah. He was a man and took a small step. Yeah. And yet it signified this giant leap for all of us uh-huh. in this new era. Of course, we haven't gone back in fifty years. So, but anyway, what happened was he's a Midwesterner. Uh huh. So how does he talk? It's one small step for a man. The, the A man yeah. went together. Yeah. Well, there's a three-second delay mm-hmm. between when the uh, electric you know, radio signal leaves the moon and yeah. when it gets to Earth. Yeah. And so they had this thing where there was a cutoff mm-hmm. in the microphone if they didn't hear a sound. So apparently it came off. One small step for a man came off one small step for man. Right. They missed that little thing. Uh-huh. But Okay, here's another piece of trivia. Yeah, what's that? What was the first word heard from the moon? First, uh, Tranquility Base of the Eagle no, has landed. Houston. Houston, Tranquility Base. Houston, right. and yeah. the reason why is because Houston was the catch-all name uh, for the controllers. Yeah. Anyway, enough trivia. Yeah. Phil in Raleigh, welcome to the radio program. How you doing, Phil? I'm good. How are you guys today? Good. What's going on? Well, I just wanted to kind of talk about my situation. If yeah. Good. Um, I've had a family history of heart disease. My grandmother, I guess in her early 60s, just had a massive coronary and just passed almost immediately. Right. My father, uh, in his mid to Mid sixties, I guess, had congestive heart failure, and um, so I started going to see 
cardiologist, I don't know. I'm in my mid-60s, maybe 10, 12 years ago, because I knew that eventually it's going to catch up with me. Okay. And um, had a stress test in fall of 2018, and that was great. Um, they told me to come back in five years. Well, wow. Yeah, last year, um, I don't know, I started, you know, I think I'm a perfect, perfect example of the pandemic of how we all kind of sat around and didn't do a lot of things. Yeah. Right, me so, too. You know, going on, on neighborhood walks, we'd come back home, and the last block, block and a half were kind of uphill, and then we had a really steep driveway, and I felt like when I got to the top of the driveway, I was kind of breathing kind of heavy, so I went back to the cardiologist and told him, so last fall we did stress test skin. Yeah. Well, the first time they actually let me go full stress. And this time the cardiologist wasn't in the room. I don't know if it's a nurse or technician, but when it got to 140 heartbeat, she said, Oh, I'm going to stop you. And I really wasn't even stressed, but you know, so, but they said everything was fine. So here's the reason I'm calling is that back in 2015, I went and had what was called these cardiac scoring, the, uh, heart CT scans. Yeah. The calcium score. And my, yeah. And yeah, my numbers were, were really good in 2015. I think the I'm looking at it says uh, left interior descending was 31 and oh. right coronary was six. Great. So I went back in 2018, had it done again. Left interior went to 54 from 31, and the right coronary went from six to 95. Okay, so you progressed so a little bit. In, yeah. Pardon me. You progressed a little bit. Yeah. Well, I went back and just had it recently. And I'm going in in a couple of weeks to see my cardiologist again. But in just recently, the left descending went from 54 to 146. Mm-hmm. And then now it says left circumflex went from zero to three. But the right coronary went from, again, in 2015 from six to 95. And then now it's 158. Okay. It says my aorta is normal, heart size is normal. And I've been on like pravastatin and 20 milligrams for years. My physician immediately put me on Lipitor at 20 milligrams. And he was saying, well, maybe we re- need to do the stress test. And I said, well, I just had one in October. Right. So right. Uh, I've had recently, I've started going to a personal trainer, going twice a week. I've dropped five pounds. I need to drop probably 15 or 20 more. I've been going on bike rides for 45 minutes. But I'm just curious as to... You know, what you think I'm going to hear when I go in, what sure. should I be doing, and that kind of thing. Okay, we got to we got to take a break, but don't go away. Yeah. This is really okay. important. It's a great story. we got to take a little bit of a break. We'll hang on to you. We'll come right back. All right, this is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or on this radio station, Phil in Raleigh is telling us how things yeah, are Phil, going. You, yeah, Phil, your your story is right up my alley, and in fact, it's it's me. I mean, I've had the same situation you're in without the family history. Now, family history is not destiny. Remember, when we combine with mom and dad, hmm. there's a whole shuffling of genes, and I've seen it. I've seen situations where all the men. And the family dropped dead. And then there's this woman who's 95 who's got arteries that are clear, and she's the sibling. Yeah. Your numbers are actually not that bad, um, but you have had some progression. Now, what does that mean? Calcium turns up in cholesterol plaques, 
mainly because your own body is trying to fight that plaque and the, the immune cells secrete these fluids that eventually calcify. And so I would look at what you're doing as an excellent example of all the right things. Uh, you're exercising, you're trying to eat right. And, and basically, you tell me you're asymptomatic, right? You don't have chest discomfort when you exercise. You're not lightheaded. You're not real short of breath. It sounds like you're in better shape now than you were, say, last year. Am I right? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say something that, I mean, again, I can't diagnose you. I can't treat you. But I can say something about me, mm-hmm. okay? Um, because I had um, a score of about 100 in my left anterior descending, that's the one down the front, that's the widow maker. And I had a couple specs in the other two arteries. But, you know, I'm Superman, right? I'm supposed to be yeah, you sure. know, invincible because yeah. I'm Mr. Cardiologist. Where my LDL was 178, that's hugely high. And it meant that I probably had something called familial hypercholesterolemia. It ran in the family, and therefore I'm missing some proteins that help regulate it. So I went on a statin. I went on a high-dose one. Pravastatin, which is the one you're on, was the first one to come out. It is the least potent. By potent, I mean gram for gram, lowering your cholesterol. Um, I went on Crestor, which is one of the most potent ones, and I only got it down to 138. Mm-hmm. Now, that's goal is supposed to be 70. That's changed now. So I went on um, something called Repatha, which is an injection you take once every two weeks, and it modifies your cholesterol by dropping it down in a different way than a statin. It works on the receptor instead of something else, but that's for another day. My LDL went to 11. Okay, so think of this, okay? Yeah. 178, which is sky high, Yeah. to 11. I'm talking about 9, 10, 11. Sure. And I went back and had a scan two years later. Right. It's gone. So my LDL had no perceptible calcium. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen to everyone, but one of the things we've learned is that there's no such thing as too low. Now, why do we know this? Hmm. Because, number one, people like me. Number two, the way they discovered this new cholesterol shot was from a woman who walked into her doctor's office with a cholesterol of four. Hmm. And they all went nuts. They said, oh, my gosh, she's going to have cancer. That was the old wives' tale, Mm -hmm. that if you got your cholesterol too low, you would get cancer. No, if you got cancer, your cholesterol would go low. It's not the other way around. She's missing a gene, a gene for a certain um, protein in the cholesterol management. She was just not there. Mm -hmm. And they found out a ton of people in her family were missing this gene. And guess what? They were fine, and none of them in her family had ever had heart disease. So they designed this drug, Repatha, around her mutation. Mm-hmm. They blocked the protein in normal people that she was missing, and lo and behold, the cholesterol went to almost zero. Yeah. And people are seeing regression. Now, what does that mean? And for me, it was I went back to high school. I regressed. Yeah. I'm kidding. Good for um, you. But regression of plaque, it goes away. And it can go away. Yeah. Not everybody will experience it. But if you don't have regression, you have something else. It's called stabilization. So what causes a heart attack? It's not the gradual progression of the cholesterol buildup. Mm-hmm. It's the sudden clotting of what you already have. 
and we're going to talk about a marathon runner coming up and what yeah. happened to him. Yeah. But if you have a 40% blockage, you're much more likely to have a heart attack from that 40%er than yeah. you are from an 80%er. That's an old plaque that has grown okay. because the old plaque is covered with a hard surface and the young plaque can rupture like a chocolate cherry. And when that goo comes out, it clots it. So you're doing great, I think, Phil. I think you're doing all the right things. The one thing that I would ask your physician is how do I get my cholesterol even lower than it is now? So suppose they tell you, oh, your, your cholesterol is low enough. You know how I know it's not? Because hmm. you've progressed. In those three scans or so that you've had, your calcium store keeps going up. Mm-hmm. So the individual approach is the best approach. I've got guys with LDLs of 80 and yeah. their family physicians and other physicians have patted them on the back and then they had a heart attack. Yeah. And the reason is that LDL was good for, say, Joe Schmidt out in Walla Walla, Washington, but it's not good for that patient. Um, and if you have progression of, of plaque, which is demonstrated by this coronary CT scan, whatever your cholesterol level is, it needs to be lower. Now, again, I'm not diagnosing you and treating you. These are questions to ask your physician. Um, Whether you need another stress test, in my mind, would depend upon your symptoms. Um, But they can be subtle. You know, are you more tired than you were? Oh, I'm just getting old. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard that. Mm -hmm. And it was somebody who was actually really sick. So, you know, the best way to know is how far you can go on the treadmill. So suppose you went 11 minutes the last time. This time you're going 15 and you're okay. That means your body's in better shape and you're doing that right. And go ahead, Phil. I'm sorry I interrupted you. It's all right. Phil, Phil, thank you very much. Good luck yeah. to you. So, sounds like we're going to advocate right. for uh, for lowering the cholesterol it, it, numbers. It, too low, it, it can't be. I mean, there's yeah. the lower, the better. And I'm living proof and my patients are living proof that you can live with an 11. All right. Hospitals are rationing CT scans. We'll tell you why in just a little bit. And you got to take your aspirin at the correct time of day. If you're taking baby aspirin, we'll tell you when. Uh, In just a moment, this is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. You're listening to Heart Health Radio with Dr. Franklin Weefald and right now, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Rose, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good, fellas. How are you? Good. Hot. Uh, yeah, we noticed. It's an awfully hot day. We're going to Hopefully only the- three more days, though. I looked at this, the weather forecast. It's going to be back in the 70s, 80s. Uh, I- Coming up yeah, soon, Monday, cool Tuesday. down over the week. So. I hope so. All right, so there's something on the website, NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org, about North Carolina families coping with the formula shortage. How are people really dealing with this? Oh, they're dealing with it all kinds of ways. They're uh, Facebook groups, um, you know, it, like we found this formula exchange Facebook group for Wake County. Wow. Um, there's been, uh, we've heard about moms who have been breastfeeding extra and giving stuff away. Um, 
And then, um, let me see, golly. Oh, and then, of course, um, Abbott, which is the company that had, that the FDA found bacteria right. in their plant. And then also several infants were sickened and two infants have died from this very odd um, uh, bacteria. Uh, I had never, I had never heard of it. I had never heard of it either, ever right. in my life. Apparently... Apparently, Cronobacter used to be a type of Escherichia, but it's been up, the name has been updated. So yeah. it's it's an enter it's a it's a gut it's a gut bacteria, yeah. right? So um, and this has been going on for a couple months, and um, you know, so there the the company Abbott has a manufacturing plant in Ireland, and they're shipping a bunch back from Ireland. Um, but you know, the, in the meantime, the Department of Health and Human Services is telling people like, don't water down your babies. <laughs> don't water down your babies. Oh my God. That's one of the most dangerous right? things. I mean, seizures, right? uh, not just malnutrition, right? but it's just, you know, low sodiums at seizures. It's awful. Exactly. And, and don't try and make homemade stuff. Um, there are some other, we had, we had someone who wrote in a comment. Uh, that there's um, that there's a, a, a company called Byheart. Like you know what? You know one of the things that's happened is there's been a lot of here we go consolidation mm. in this industry. Yeah. So there's only three or four companies that make all of the powdered formula in the country. That plant in Michigan makes something like eighty yeah. percent of the Similac produced in the country. Yeah, Abbott. So Abbott company, you know. Yeah. So, you know, so you, you, you'll hear like industries say like, oh, we're going to we're going to merge. We're going to get like economies of scale. Yak, yak, yak. But then then if they have a problem, there's no backup. Right. So this is kind of one of those classic. Oh, here's the hidden downside of, you know, industry mergers and acquisitions and all that stuff. So that's one of the interesting, you know, kind of like sub um, issues there. Um, one of my, one of my favorite, you, you know how I'm so geeky. So one of my favorite websites <laughs> is food safety news, right? And, yes. um, so I was reading on food safety news and they were, they were sort of citing some of the stats on, you know, like how, how, um, consolidated this industry really yeah. is. You know, you know, what ticked me off though, is some of these celebrities who said, why don't they just breastfeed? And you know, you know, let me tell you, we've had, I had four kids and our first baby, we tried mm-hmm. and the baby was starving and he just couldn't produce enough milk. And so this whole concept, you know, that, that you should breastfeed, sure, I think in a lot of ways it's healthier, but th- there are a lot of women who can't, number one, and a lot of other situations where, you know, they need to have this formula. Now, tell well, me something. And, and, you, ab- and here's, a, here's a policy yeah. issue that you and I might differ on, or maybe not which is we don't give parental leave, right? So a lot of women, they give birth and they're back at yeah. work two weeks later. Oh, I believe in parental right? leave. Don't get me wrong. I do. I give six weeks to my employees. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I, I believe it. But you're right. They well, can't but, do it. But if a woman has right. stopped. Has to work, then if you she, need formula. Right? Yeah. But if yeah. she has stopped breastfeeding, right. she cannot then restart right. breastfeeding yeah. in most That's the other thing. cases. Yeah, you right. can't That's just yeah, exactly. give and go. But you know what else yeah. I looked into? Because my, well, I'm not going to say who, but someone I know had so much extra milk yeah. when she was mm-hmm. breastfeeding that she, I, somehow she got it to some national bank. And yeah, you can you buy breast it. milk online. 
right? Yes, you can. Yes, it's you can. really and expensive, thing, though, isn't it? it? It's pretty expensive. The other thing that's really fascinating is I have a girlfriend from graduate school who is a breastfeeding researcher. Yeah. And she was studying, uh, she had worked in Africa, and she was studying how women in South Africa were doing self-pasteurization of their breast milk. Oh, my gosh, we could have, like, a whole conversation. But the way that she was studying it was that she was getting donated breast milk, inoculating it with the HIV, and then using the same method that these women in Africa were using to to um, self-pasteurize. And then doing an analysis, like what's, yeah. what's the nutritional analysis? Was it degrading mm. the proteins? And the women in Africa, it was fascinating yeah. uh, what they had done. And um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of sort of, um, there is kind of a market out there for breast milk. I think that this, yeah, this may be something that we look into in the future because there are a lot of women um, who aren't, you know, uh, underproducing, they're Overproducing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it might be that I don't, you know, I don't know, Rose. This could be the the Frank and Rose, uh, <laughs> you know, national ah. program. Is that let's get this breast milk into a breast milk bank in case this kind of mm-hmm. stuff happens before again, mm-hmm. you know? And also, yeah, it's a great idea. Well, there were wet nurses all over the world back, you know, in the day. Yeah. You know, whatever happened to that? That'd be a great thing too, you know, well, because I, I do believe breast milk is better. I mean, I think it is, um, but that doesn't mean your baby can't be healthy, birth, right? When right. You have the, the colostrum, when you have those antibodies, the colostrum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, listen, it's oh. it's just a crazy time in the world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And a supply chain. You know, we've. We've gotten used to everything being just in time, yep. but then if anything gets disrupted, then that just in time becomes a real long time. Absolutely. Rose, thank you. Hey, and look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you, Rose. Thanks, fellas. God bless. Right. NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. They've got an interesting program. They, they do a, um, a spoken word broadcast, I guess, podcast, Beyond Innocence, The Life Sentence of Daryl hunt that's that's this. an amazing story right I, and i recommend everybody who has the time uh-huh. get on north carolina health news.org and look at that all right so we talked a little bit about ct scans yeah you're having a hard time getting oh yeah CTs for people ct scans are a big part of my practice um they're a way to do uh a, a test on the arteries uh-huh. with only an iv as opposed to sticking a needle in the artery and, and squirting it under con, um, under um, a heavy-duty X-ray, yeah. you can actually make and construct um, a picture of you know the leg arteries, even the heart arteries, with yeah. just a CT scan. The problem is you need to use this agent. It's a liquid. It's a clear liquid, but it's got an iodine compound in it, which absorbs X-rays. So you can squirt this stuff into the vein, uh-huh. let it circulate in the body, and then when you hit the CT on it, the um, stuff, the contrast that's in the arteries and veins absorbs the x-rays so that you get an outline uh, under an x-ray picture of the artery. Well, yeah. I do this all the time. I say five or six every week, maybe more. And then, you know, I, I also do internal medicine care for a lot of my patients, and, you know, head CTs to see if they've had a stroke or, you know, if they're having really bad belly pain. I had a lady 
that I wanted to get a CT of the abdomen because I was worried she had an abdominal abscess and I couldn't get it. They said, we just don't have the contrast. So I did it without contrast and eh, you know, you can't see as much because the contrast outlines tumors and abscesses. And guess what? Huh. I didn't see anything. The radiologist didn't see anything without the contrast. She perforated her colon yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Had to have emergency surgery. So we need this contrast. Now, here's the problem. We've sold ourselves to the devil. We outsourced our antibiotic supplies. We outsourced our contrast supplies. And, you know, we should make this stuff at home. And this is a prime example. We need it, and we can't get it now. Right. And I don't and nobody knows when it's going to end. When this when this crisis of contrast or no contrast is going to actually end. I don't know. It's just a chemical that y'all need and you yeah. can't get now. It comes in a glass bottle. Yeah. Um and it looks like water or yeah. thick thick water, okay? And it, it you see right through it, but an x-ray it, it gets absorbed by the iodine in the contrast agent. And therefore, you can outline the arteries, and you can it, tumors get outlined, and abscesses get outlined, and it's really important stuff. Twenty twenty two is not working out the way I thought it was going to work out. No, it's not. It's not. All right, so I take my baby aspirin, baby, in the morning, baby, and you're telling me maybe I shouldn't. No, let me tell you why. Okay, you got know, most strokes and heart attacks. <clears throat> what time do they happen? Oh. Come on, you know. I've never. It's very convenient for doctors. In the morning? 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Really? About 70% of heart attacks uh, happen in the morning. Really? Now, why okay. is that? We are sleeping, uh, Yeah. you know, about 2 o'clock in the morning. Sure. And your body is doing that thing where it's going into deep sleep and recharging and then coming back up again. And yeah. Around 4 o'clock, and then these are on average because people don't always sleep according to schedule. About 4 o'clock, your body says, I better get this lunkhead awake <laughs> in about two hours. Okay, all right. Yeah. So your body starts excreting adrenaline huh. and cortisol. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So what happens? It gets you going about 6, and you get up about 6.30. Yeah. All this cortisol and all this adrenaline okay, are circulating in your body and they make you more susceptible to a heart attack or a stroke. A stroke is a brain attack. Okay. And so what does aspirin do? Aspirin helps prevent the platelets, which are those little tiny cells in your bloodstream that help you clot if you cut yourself. Yeah. Well, the aspirin prevents those platelets from being too sticky and it helps reduce the risk of a heart attack. Well, adrenaline makes platelets more sticky. Okay. Cortisol makes platelets more sticky. Yeah. So if you've taken your aspirin in the evening, the full effect of it is more pronounced in the morning. So it counterbalances the increase in platelet activity. So you have less of a risk of stroke. Now, that's another reason to talk to your doctor about taking your blood pressure medicine, or at least one type of blood pressure medicine, maybe if you're on two or three, yeah. you take one of those at night too. Yeah. And I prescribe my beta blockers, metoprolol and things like that, which help counteract adrenaline. Right. And I get most of my patients, I tell them to take it at night. 
And that's been shown to reduce the risk of a heart attack as well right. by counteracting that stress hormone effect, the adrenaline effect. So, yes, I think it's true. Take your aspirin in the evening and ask your doctor. Well, ask your doctor about taking the aspirin sure. in the evening and ask your doctor about taking your blood pressure medicine, especially a beta blocker, in right. the evening as well. We talked about uh, me and my uh, video game, my new uh, tag on my arm yeah. that measures my sugar. It's a continuous glucose monitor. If I walk out of the room, CGM, it starts beeping because I've left the room. Right. I am having because I've changed my my medicine a little bit. I am having some radical lows. Radical. A fifty four. Yeah, but how did you let it get that way? I didn't eat. That's the problem. You've got, I mean, we talk about restricting your diet mm-hmm. when you're diabetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean you don't eat. You've got to have three squares a day and a snack at bed because you want to maintain the basal level of your glucose in your bloodstream. I think what I did is I ate a really healthy meal. Like what? I don't know. Something healthy. Comquat. Just whatever it is. It didn't have any carbs. Yeah. It wasn't any carbs at all. And I still gave myself a little bit of insulin, mm-hmm. next thing I know. Mm-hmm. But, but my point is, diabetics who get that low and they feel the or hear the it's blood whooshing, whooshing in their head. That's adrenaline. That's adrenaline kicking you in. You don't want lows. In fact, I tell my patients, mm-hmm. don't listen to this, quote unquote, super tight control. Okay? Now, if your doctor says so, listen to your doctor. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the way I treat my patients <clears throat> who have bad coronary disease in the sense that they've had bypass surgery and you know now they're good yeah but i mean lows are terrible your adrenaline starts firing your blood pressure goes up you start sweating because your body is trying to use natural mechanisms to raise your sugar and adrenaline and cortisol stress hormones are the two major ways your body does it i use the you're just pounding your body to death i i use the other method to raise the the blood sugar. What'd you do? It's a cookie. Oh, I just ate a cookie. Well, don't did, no, don't you carry around like a hard candy? No. Yeah, you should you carry understand. around a hard. This candy. is the twenty first century. Twenty first, yeah, twenty first century. A cookie takes a lot longer. A fella can a fella can find a cookie anytime he needs no, it. All right, all right, all right. Or a hard we candy. We have no cookies here. Okay. Do we have cookies in the control no, we room? Don't, we don't. A cookie? Nope. He's shaking his head. If we had some. Do you have a hard candy? No. All right. You're drinking a Diet Mountain Dew. Yeah. If you go into sugar shock, I, I, you're I'm, gonna not, go get me I'm not drinking the rest of my Dew okay. in case right. I've got to pour it down your throat. i got a backup plan for every backup plan, <laughs> and, and, and we fold is the backup plan. All right. Uh-oh. Telephone number here, 919-860-9783. Heart Health Radio. You call between noon and 2 on a Saturday and talk to Dr. Weefald. And, of course, this radio program is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down this is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Who are we shouting out this time? Uh, two patients of mine, husband and wife, wonderful people, Shelly and Charles Wilson. Right. I take care of both of them. Charles is one of those people who has a um, positive stress test, but on medicines, it's gone back to normal. So he's really? got his cholesterol down. Okay. 
blood pressure under control. He's doing great. Now, here's the problem with Shelly. She did well from a heart point of view. Has a pacemaker. Blood pressure's under good control. She developed epilepsy, seizures. Oh, my. And the first sign was passing out. And so she can't drive. Um, she's on a lot of meds for her seizures. They're even thinking about putting in a deep brain stimulator to get rid of this type of epilepsy she yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. But guess what she can't get? What? Disability. Oh, now, come now, let me on. ask you a question. Oh, please. Would you want your wife or would you want yourself to be working if nope. you would have a seizure at any time? Nope. So, uh, you know, she's working on it. I'm supporting her fully. She's a wonderful person, has a great husband. Let's try to get this whole business squared away with her disability because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you can't. That she yeah. would not be able to get disability with a problem like this. Right, right. Tammy in Four Oaks, thank you very much for holding on and for waiting for us. You're on Heart Health Radio. Hi. You're very welcome, and I totally hey. enjoy your show. Thank, thank you. you. What's up? I want to ask Dr. Weefar a question. I take uh, my, my Tocolol at night. Yeah, right. And the aspirin of the morning. Should I take my aspirin? With my All right. Make sure you ask your doctor because there may be a reason why he or she said to take it in the morning. But what we've learned and we just talked about, and I generally um, tell my patients to take the aspirin in the evening and to take the beta blocker in the evening too. Now, one of the things about aspirin is I usually have my patients take it with a meal. And even though it's called enteric-coated aspirin, you, you want to sort of keep your stomach protected because there's a slight chance that the aspirin can affect the lining of the stomach. Now, there is a new aspirin out, and uh, it's called uh, Vaseline, I think. Anyway, it's over-the-counter, but it's a liquid aspirin, mm-hmm. and it is contained in a capsule so that it can only dissolve in the gut. Now, it has been shown to reduce the risk of... Uh, aspirin-induced bleeding. And so you might want to ask your doctor about taking that with supper. And the reason why is that that. it'll go into your stomach. It won't be dissolved in the stomach. The food will protect you. It'll slide into your small intestine where it is dissolved and have a lower risk of um, of bleeding. Okay, I want to ask you one other question, Dr. Quifal. Go ahead. Is is this these things called... I won't give the brand name, but it's a heart chew with a beet powder and grapeseed extracted. Is that really good, or is it just another candy? All right. Tim. You, you can mention the brand name. Mm, yeah, what is the brand? Uh, Super Beats. Super Beats. Oh, Super Beats. Yeah, let me tell you about Super Beats. Yeah. I really like it. I yeah. think it's a great idea, um, and it has not been proven to work. I have a saying. That if it doesn't hurt and it might help, go ahead. But here's the issue. It can hurt your pocketbook. Now, what are super beets? Beets are wonderful stuff. They've got all sorts of flavonoids and, you know, other oids that are suspected and in some cases shown um, to reduce the amount of inflammation in your body. And if you've ever listened to our show, you know that there are two evils. Okay, sugar is the number one evil. 
Yeah. And the number two evil is anything that leads to inflammation where your immune system is working overtime and um, and is causing your body to basically rust from the inside out. Yeah. Super Beets is a wonderful product. Um, beets are really good for you. And if you do it, it could help you. I'm not going to promise that it will because it hasn't been studied. The problem with all these things that I like, yeah. okay, they're very expensive. Yeah. I mean, so if you have the money um, to do it, I would say, yes, it's a great product. Just like, you know, a lot of other products on the market today that um, I, I, I take, uh, Balance of Nature, for example. Okay. okay. You can't go wrong with that. What is it? It's fruits and vegetables. A hundred percent, nothing right. added. The problem is it's, you know, 80, 90 bucks a month. Now, luckily, um, if I see one extra patient a month, you know, <laughs> um, I get my balance of nature. I'm, I'm actually, I've been meaning to order the Super Beats for a long time, and I just, I just keep forgetting, so thank you. But any, anything that has a natural... Um, origin that's not doctored, uh, I think is good for you. And there is a lot of evidence that the materials inside Super Beets, um, the materials, the nutrients are actually possibly quite good for you and may be shown in the future hmm. to reduce illness. But yeah, I like that stuff. Tammy, thank you for the phone call. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good let let us you. know. Uh, if you do get it, let us know what the yeah. impact is on your pocketbook and basically how you feel in, say, a month, because a lot of people say they feel a lot better pretty quickly. I've got a four-month supply here for 129 bucks. Really? That's uh, yeah, the best too bad. price I could find. Yeah, and, and I want everybody to know I'm not <laughs> compensated by Super Beats. No. No, seriously, you need to know this, because I don't want you to think I'm shilling. I don't, I'm not compensated by anybody. Uh-huh. Right. Not by Dave, especially. And you're you're kind of. He won't even buy me a Coke. I won't. Here's the thing, your endorsement, quote unquote endorsement, was so weak, so weak that the <laughs> super beat people would want money back if yeah, they paid that's you. True. They would say, "Dude, at least tell her to buy it." No, no. He says, "Hey, it couldn't hurt. Couldn't if it doesn't hurt doesn't and it hurt. could possibly help. I'm all for it." But there are a lot of people who promise a lot. Yeah. And then they tell you that it's their specific formula. Yeah. It this is you got the flavonoids, but you've got the flavonoids with the extra carpuscles. Yeah. yeah. Attached the to hus- it. the Husamajoids. Huh? The Husamajoids. The you order ours. Yeah. And it'll be so much better than the others. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, you know, if you feel good about it, you feel good about it. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is that somebody said, Well, what if they take it and they feel better? Yeah. And it's just a placebo effect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me say something. Yeah, please. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you feel better. You feel better. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you feel better. Well, I guess it does in some ways. But um, no, I like these products. I really do. Um, the only problem is they're expensive. I uh, my doctor suggested that I eat. I know this is crazy. Fruits and vegetables. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, hey, he, he thinks. That it, proper nutrition might be a good idea for me. Uh, yeah, right. but I'm telling you that uh, I can't. I, can't, I don't have time to right. cook fruits and vegetables. Balance of nature works. All right, more heart health coming up right here. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Well, this is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. And Dr. Franklin Weefold is here. I'm Dave Alexander. Steve O'Brien from the mm. News Department. How are you, Steve? I'm doing just great, boy. And now you turn around, we got another virus. What's uh, this monkey thing? Uh, the monkey pox. Yes. Yeah. Can, can I do the monkey sound? No. Don't. <laughs> no, because you know it'll turn out to be turn out to be like two weeks from now. It'll turn out to be a terrible story. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a serious thing. I was go- I wanted to find the music, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Yeah, yeah. But again, I don't want to be lighthearted about <laughs> well, it. Well, because, because I was wrong about, I mean, so wrong about COVID. I mean, I thought there'd be 20,000 cases and it turned out to be the mm-hmm. biggest health disaster right. um, after, you know, the 1918 flu. Uh, Monkeypox is caused by a virus. If you've seen the pictures, they have these buboes, you know, these yeah. little things on the face. And it, it makes you sick for three or four weeks, but it doesn't appear to be deadly. Right. Um, but, you know, we just got to be careful, I guess. I, I had... How I many had, cases in Boston now? A the, few? I don't know about Boston, but there Boston. are 80 cases worldwide. Worldwide. Right. I had a soundbite and an interview with an epidemiologist. I'm thinking it was from Utah, but I, I could okay. be wrong. Uh-huh. But And the basic thing is, here's the symptoms. It's a lot like like flu, uh-huh. like any kind of flu, except you get these yeah. welts, poxes, on, yeah. on your body. Yeah. But he, he went into great length to say, this is not going to be I don't think so. I just am very careful now. Yeah. So, so how sh- Steve's got it. A show. He's yeah, been doing it for a couple of months. Afternoon, he was walking by the uh, the uh, studio, and and uh, he is actually substituted for you yes. uh, mm-hmm. when you were uh, sick. Um, mm-hmm. So, how's the show going? Tell us about it. It's going great. It's yeah. uh, we've done a, a a couple of really good things. It's great to sit and listen to our news department, which does an yeah. awesome job, and yeah. hear a 10 or a 15-second soundbite. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a whole lot better if you can hear the entire interview right. that they took that 10 or 15-second right. soundbite. So what we do is we do uh, two hours of in-depth things that affect your life. Right. And we do that from 3 to 5. Then from 5 to 7, we have a two-hour wrap-up of all the day's news locally, statewide, nationally, internationally, traffic and weather on the 8s. And so we give you all the information to wind up your day. And that's a daily show. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every and day. people know, uh, you know, Rick and Donna did the show for a long time. They've right. left town to go back to Arizona. Yeah. And there was a lot of question who they wanted to do the show. And I produced, I uh, got in with management and I said, look, I've been doing six <laughs> to seven. I think I could do this show. Yeah. And I told them my ideas of what I wanted to do with it, and they bought it. And even more importantly, the man whose name is on the door bought it. Yeah, and that's so that's someone you really got to please. And they're very, very pleased. And I'm pleased too. And we'll keep doing it. If, uh, if, if the show dies, it dies. You know, we'll see what happens. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm ex- yeah, I'll get, I'm excited. We're going to listen. We're going to yeah. listen. 
All right, Steve, thank you. I've got thank the you. phones ringing. Sue and Carrie, welcome to the radio program. How you doing, uh, Sue? Hi. What's up? Um, I called a couple weeks ago because yeah. I wanted a statin that didn't have um, lactose in it. And the doctor said, let's call. And right. I researched it. Yeah. And I found out that it is not water-soluble. Okay. Like uh-huh. So my question to the doctor is, where does what happens? That means it's not going to dissolve. Is it going to end up in my liver? Where is it going to end up? Okay. If it's not yeah. water soluble. Okay. So water soluble versus fat soluble. What that basically means is that the statin will last longer in your body. It's soluble in the fat, but it doesn't live there. In other words, um, you know, chemical, what is that, radiation or something mm-hmm. like that, or lead or something. You can dig out of your body years and years later. If you stop your statin that is fat-soluble, it's about six weeks to get completely out of your body. If you stop, say, pravastatin, which is water-soluble, it'll be out of your body in a couple of days because it's not being absorbed into the fat tissue. So when I say fat-soluble, it doesn't mean it's going to stay there in the fat. It just means that it can live there for a little while longer until it is taken out of your body. So that's the difference. Um, But it's not a permanent thing. Uh, If you take a fat-soluble statin, yes, it will last in your body longer, but it's not permanently deposited. Um, You remember when we were kids... Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't take doxycycline. Now, why is that? I don't know. Or tetracycline. Because it would be permanently taken up in your teeth and you could get gray teeth. Oh. But it's not like that. The statins will sit around in the fat for a little bit, but they won't stay there permanently. And, and so shouldn't worry about that no. because no. it's I mean, not Right. And a the bad big thing, thing is the fat-soluble, the biggest difference is the mm-hmm. fat-soluble statins are more likely to lead to muscle ache type, joint ache type problems because they're hanging around the body longer. One of the problems with pravastatin in terms of it not being so potent is that it doesn't stay in your body very long, okay? Mm-hmm. So the way the statins work is that they block an, an essential enzyme in the production of your cholesterol in your liver. And remember that your body makes almost all of your cholesterol in the liver and so those medicines try to stop the production of cholesterol. Okay. And so that's how it works. Makes sense, Sue? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. Hey, and call any time. We'd really like to hear your voice. Thank you, Sue. So you are not the man your dad was. No, it's sad. Because? Because there's, there's a rampant problem. The entire country has low testosterone. We've been measuring the levels of testosterone in young adults, men. Yes. And the levels are going down. They were like 10%, 15% down from what they were on average just 30 years ago. Wow. And so there are now young men, okay, who are going into the doctor and saying, I'm fatigued, Uh, my sex life is not what it should be, and they're showing up with very low testosterone levels. Now, mine dropped because um, of my radiation exposure um, when I did 18,000 heart procedures, and you're only supposed to do no more than 10. 
And even though I was wearing lead, you know, lead-lined aprons and stuff, it was still too much radiation exposure. Yeah. But we don't know why this is happening. Um, there's a lot of um, speculation. And, of course, you know, everybody wants to blame meat, but they think it might be the hormones in meat that are suppressing our own body's production of testosterone. So that's one theory, but I don't know. I, I, I quite can't tell you. The other thing on the flip side, and that's women, and girls are now hitting puberty at a much younger age. I mean, there are reports of girls at seven years old that, hitting puberty. That's impossible. It's not impossible. And it, it's really kind of scary. The average age for puberty in this country uh, in the 50s was what? 14, 13 years old. Okay. It's now nine. Nine really? and 10 year old. Yeah, third graders are hitting puberty. And so that um, is a mystery. And again, people think that it might be the hormones that we're getting in our meat supply. Right. But I think these are urgent things we need to address because we're we're hitting, you know, situations where um, the health of our kids and the health of our future um, citizens uh, is is it being impacted, and we don't know why. Wow. It's weird, isn't it? That is weird. Do, 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 I, I mean, I you know, I've heard people complain that, you know, there are things sneaking into the water supply. Like, when you flush your food, yeah. or not food, but your <laughs> leftover medicine. Your used food. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you flush used pills. Or or unused pills. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and and they end up in the water supply. That we're getting female hormones in the water supply. Somebody has said, for instance, Washington D.C.'s water supply must have something in it. The swamp. It yeah. must have something negative in it. Wait, you want to hear something really bad? What is that? I, some ungodly percent of donated blood. Yeah. Has Xanax in it? It's like 40, 50 percent. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really. Yeah, and if you, if you, in fact, one of the ways that public health uh, is being monitored now is the sewage. So one of the things that New York City did to find out where the next uptick in the pandemic was going to be is they would take sewage samples from various parts of the city yes. and find out which parts had the rising numbers of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Some in public. If you're out there and you're a public health specialist, please let us know right. why um, you know the testosterone levels are falling in men, and young girls are now hitting puberty at a at a lower and lower age. I, I want to see the study about testosterone. Did they compare us to the French? I mean, even compared oui, oui. to the French, we oui, we oui. we're low. All right, we'll yeah. talk about that. We oui, we. Oui. During the commercials, I'm sure. <laughs> this is Heart Health Radio. Here's the number nine one nine. Eight six zero nine seven eight three Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Doctor Weefald? Call nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. You're listening to Heart Health Radio. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and soon everywhere. Our number is nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Okay, so when I went into the to the hospital and I had my work done on my eye they told me how much my bill was going to be there is now a system where 
it's supposed to be no surprise. Right. Now, in Colorado, this person went into the hospital for a procedure that they were told was going to be 130, no, 1300 out of pocket. 1300 Right, because it was supposed to be an in-network procedure with a guaranteed coverage by her insurance with and, that much of a copay, which is not bad. Yeah, okay. And then they got a bill for $300,000. $300,000. How is that even possible? Because when she called the hospital, they have a, I don't know, a a business department. Sure. And they have people who are specialists dedicated to looking over your insurance and giving you an idea. And remember, it's it's not set in stone. They give you an idea of what it's supposed to cost. Now, the problem is this person that worked with her told her, that they were in network with her insurance. Yeah. So she went ahead with it. Uh-huh. And, you know, everybody agreed, you know, through the hospital it was going to be about 1300 bucks out of pocket. Turned out she wasn't in network <laughs> at that hospital. So one of the things, if you're going to have some big-time surgery, yeah, you need to ask them for sure, Yeah. are you in network? In fact, you might want to get it from both sides. Oh, yeah. um, you know, Wake Med is having this problem right now. I think it's with United Healthcare. Is that right? Hmm. And we talked about that last week. And so there's a big stink about whether, you know, they're going to be a network anymore or not. Oh. Now, I am not a network for only one plan. Okay, only one. I'm not going to mention it. And it was a big controversy. But you know, I I told him I want to be a network. And so what happens? Um, I had a couple of patients slip through that weren't in network. Okay. Um, I am legally required to try to collect from them. But if they don't pay me, I mean, it's my fault, right? Okay. I think I look at it that way. Um, the people that I hire and pay should have been able to find out if they were in network or not. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I don't understand how the hospitals work in terms of how they try to collect. Because it's pretty brutal. I mean, it's pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. I mean, hospitals in Johnson County, they have the one hospital there, they have Hmm. an entire day in the court suing people. Really? Oh, yeah. They're taking away mobile homes. They're taking stuff from the patients. Yeah, it's terrible. That's not good. Yeah. But... You know, on the one hand, you have a community mm. hospital that has to stay in business, has right. to provide care. Right. But there's got to be a way around this, you know. It's just craziness. All right. So the bottom line on the story that we talked about, $300,000 was the was the bill. And but, she wound up getting it fixed. Yeah, it got And that's fixed. the other lesson here is, is just get on the phone and talk to these people. And, you know, if, if, you know, 1300 bucks for a lot of people can be a, a terrible burden because yes. of the income levels, get a payment plan. You know, you can do that. But the key thing to avoid winding up in, in court with some hospital trying to take your, your house right. is communication and talking to somebody. And if it takes talking to them, you know, five or six times to try to, you know, get a situation that you can afford, do it. It's worth it. And if you need any help with that, you just ask my wife. Because I'll tell you what, she keeps them on the phone 
for an hour. Did you get a big bill? I didn't get a big bill, but I got a bill. The point is, she will work out a deal. They are powerless. When Melissa Alexander calls them, they are powerless. It's worse than the long-distance carriers. The the cell phone people, they don't even negotiate with her anymore. They just say, ma'am, here, this is, we give up. We give up. Here's your deal, okay? Because she is good at it. Well, you know that'd, be, it, that'd be a good a good service, wouldn't it? That she would call. No, no. Yeah. I, think about it. A company to negotiate you. Yeah. Work with you in the hospital. I'm I'm walking in and out of the room where she's on the phone with somebody yeah. about a bill, and she's there for 45 minutes. Yeah. And eventually, she gets everything knocked down. Yeah, she they gets just a want to say, phone. "Lady, I got to yeah. get off the Ma'am, phone." Ma'am, this is this is. Yeah, we're, we're sick and tired of you. All right, so, what age do you think parents should be intervening about obesity, potential obesity? That really shocked me. It really shocked me when I looked into this. Um, turns out they've done a study, and the study talked about when kids who had the tendency for obesity as children, Mm -hmm. if it was an intervention for diet and exercise, what age group made the most impact? I mean, so look at somebody who's 25 when they were obese as a child. And then look at somebody who is 25 who's no longer obese and they were obese as a child. And you won't believe it. Between the ages of two and five, is when you have to intervene. Wow. And apparently it's the memory cells, memory adipose cells, or the fat cells. When you have a certain number as a young child, right. that number doesn't reduce. Um, so they can get much bigger. Each fat cell can get much bigger. Yeah. But the number also matters. And so if you have a set number of fat cells when you're six then there's a much higher chance that you're going to be be obese as an adult. And so the bottom line in our country in terms of childhood obesity is one thing only. Yeah. Sugar. Yeah. It's sugar. And so, you know, parents out there, um, gosh, sugar is so great for kids. Candy. In terms of making them happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, And you shouldn't. I, I'm not a nutritionist, so I'm, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here. You shouldn't never give your kid a cupcake, but uh-huh. certainly um, it should be a, a very rare thing. Right. And the other thing is um, uh, white flour snack products, um, right. potato chips, also white potato chip. Um, you want to really restrict that. Wonder Bread is the bread that works wonders. On your obesity. It, okay, because Wonder yeah. Bread is great stuff. It's that smush bread. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. I loved it uh, yeah. growing up. Um, but it is terrible for you because those individual fibers of uh, white flour are converted into sugar in your body. Right. And it's the sugar that is stored as fat. So the whole concept now is the more white flour products and the more sugar you give your child, they're going to develop a higher number of fat cells, and that is going to translate into a greater problem of obesity. Now, obesity is genetic. 
So there are kids, and I can tell you this right now, I ate like there was no tomorrow. You did, huh? When I was 13, 14, 15, when I was a kid, I could never gain weight. Yeah. So there are people like that, and there are people who are going to be obese, even if they eat just a teeny weeny bit of carbohydrate because of their metabolism and their ability to take that carbohydrate and store it as fat. All right. Well, I I have to tell you that I'm st- you know I'm an elementary school teacher. Were you pudgy as a kid? Uh, no, I wasn't. Yeah, wasn't okay. not at all. But let me just tell you that yeah. some kids are now showing up to school wearing men's shorts as long pants. So here's the math: the their waistline is 36 uh. and 37. Their inseam is that they can wear men's shorts as pants. As pants, yeah, amazing. It's yeah, a tough thing, tough thing. All right, so I've got a note here. It says flu vaccine and stroke. Yeah, yeah. I, I've Those lost track. Those people or, who are vaccinated yeah. for the flu, yeah, have a lower risk of stroke. That's just all there is to it, and it all bends down to inflammation. So if you look at the heart attack numbers, they're much worse in the winter months, December, January, and February. Right. That's when we're all, you know, in the old days, yeah. before the pandemic, when we were huddled inside and we'd pass along these cold viruses and we would get the sniffles and the flu and the colds. Well, influenza, the biggest thing now uh, that kills people is not actually the Um, disease process itself. It is the level of inflammation that goes sky high in your bloodstream. And like we said earlier in the show and always in the show, that inflammation breaks up the plaques. It causes the clots to form more efficiently, more frequently. Those go up to the brain and they get a brain attack just like a heart attack and it causes a stroke. Mm -hmm. If you've had your flu vaccine and you're much less likely Mm -hmm. to get a serious case of the flu, your inflammation levels through the winter will generally, not always, but generally be lower and therefore a lower risk of developing a stroke. I, I can't tell people enough about how important it is to get the flu vaccine. And in addition, um, I really do believe the COVID vaccine is a good thing. Right. Um, I think I'm a big believer in all vaccines. To all right. We're going to talk about Paxlovid, this wonder drug, yeah. and statins. Coming up. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. All right, I talked about Paxlovid. Yeah, is, great drug. Is that the uh, the new treatment for? Well, it's been COVID? around. Yeah, it's been around. It's it's the pill, um, okay. and it works. All right. In terms of being very effective at reducing your risk of hospitalization, intensive care unit therapy, and death. Okay. Um, it is much more effective than molnupiravir, which is the other oral. Um, uh, the problem that I've encountered in my own practice is that a lot of the pharmacists are key, and rightfully so, on the potential interactions. Now, Paxlovid works through the liver. It's converted. It, it, it does all these things with these enzymes called cytochrome P450s. Yeah. And so there are a lot of drug-to-drug interactions. The major ones are the statins. 
uh, colchicine for gout, and there are others, yeah. um, which has in the in, initial uh, use of Paxlovid when it first came out, is that the pharmacist would call me and refuse to fill it for certain of my patients who were on these medications. Now, we've learned a lot. And remember, you're only going to take this medicine for five days. Okay. So okay. the effect on your medication ingestion or, or you know, compliance is going to be very small. Right. So what do you do if you're on a statin and the pharmacist says, sorry, you can't have Paxlovid because you're on a statin? Is call your doctor. Okay, the bottom line is if it, it's if you stop your statin for the five days that you're taking Paxlovid, you'll be okay. Yeah. And the doctor needs, it, if the pharmacist doesn't know that, and I'm not saying that he or she wouldn't, but call your doctor because you can do fine with it. Colchicine, right. I mean, you can stop it for five days. Um, and so there are, you know, um, major potential drug-drug interactions. The most amazing one was, you know, I had, one of the things that you use in, um, in a, the initial uh, phases of COVID is a steroid, prednisone or something like that. And yeah. again, there's an interaction. Um, but that interaction mainly is for a warning if you're on long-term use of prednisone. Sure. And there are some people with uh, immunologic conditions who have to be on prednisone long-term. But you can, you know, work around it. You can reduce the dose. There are some other drug-drug interactions where you just reduce the dose of the medicine that you're taking. But again, you're only going to be taking Paxlovid for five days. Just remember that in case you're worried about a drug-drug interaction that's not going to last. Well, I had to laugh because you mentioned Viagra. Yeah. Oh, I okay. forgot about that. All right. So here's yeah. the drug interaction. You cut and, it in half. Well, the, I don't, I mean, you cut your, you, you don't cut it in half. You yeah, cut you, the drug in half. No, but uh-huh. here's the point. Here's the point. Honey, I'm sorry. I just got to tell you, I tested positive for COVID. She says, Okay. He says, and the bottom line is, I can't take my Viagra. Does she want to even go near you anyway? Yeah, that's true. Right? You can go for a couple of days without your Viagra. Some people can. Some people can't. Yeah. Most people who are sick with something else. Yeah. Now, there is a new monoclonal antibody. So you remember that was a big thing back when we had Alpha and Delta. Yeah. And the monoclonal antibody made by the drug companies specifically against the spike protein for COVID. We talked about it endlessly. And yeah, we did. Was, well, the ones they had on the market stopped working for Omicron. Okay. So they took them off the market. There is another one out. It's by Eli Lillian Sons out mm-hmm. of, uh, I think they're out of Indiana. It's called Bebtilovimab. Say that twice. Sure. Bebtilovimab. And um, I had a, I have a real good friend. Um, I don't have his permission to use his mm. name, so I won't. But I, right. he's a dog park friend. Yeah, you know, dog it, park friend. Well, yeah, we have yeah. a dog park right next to my apartment building, and yeah. so there's about twenty of us. Yeah, know? we're dog park friend. And um, had the sniffles, he wouldn't look too bad. And then I didn't see him for a few days. <laughs> oh got, my! He got Omicron, one of the crazy variants, and he felt bad. Um, he had a severe headache. Uh, apparently, his ears were hurting. He had a th- scratchy throat, and he developed a cough. And he went to my favorite place, Wake Med, and they have a COVID-type ER. Mm-hmm. And the guy there diagnosed him, uh, got him all set, and put him on Bebtilovimab. And within a day, 
he was better. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the good. stuff works. Um, everybody's really impressed with it. Paxlovid works too. I'm not quite sure why they picked it over Paxlovid, but um, there are treatments for Omicron. And we're yeah. seeing an uptick now. There's no doubt about it. We're seeing increased numbers of cases. We're not seeing uh, much increase in hospitalization and death, right. which is a great thing. It's it's more contagious, but less um, deleterious. So, but they're just it's not over with. So right. you can go to places like Wake Med and get treated. Uh, get prescribed. I prescribe Paxlovid for a, a lot of people. I haven't actually written a prescription for Paxlovid in three months. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. So just remember, we're we're not out of the woods completely. But I try not to think about it anymore. I'm, you know, three years, Dave. I got you. I got you. I try not I to think about it anymore. There was an emergency medicine uh, meeting in New Orleans in May. Um, and it was a super spread her event. <laughs> it literally was. Me? It literally was doctors. Where? And we can giggle about it because, of course, there's no. hardly anybody getting very, very right. sick from it. But it was, yeah, it was in in New Orleans. Oops. Yeah. You know, you you got to realize, no matter who you are, you can get this stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. Even Just, if you're quadruple boosted, like right, me. Right. Are you quadruple boosted? No, I'm triple boosted. What, you only had three shots? Only only had three. Well, go get your other one, doofus. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about it. There are it. a lot of people who are in your shoes who are saying, yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know. Doug in Durham, welcome to the radio program. How you doing? Hello, Doug. All right. Uh-oh. Emergency. Emergency. Well, that's right. Call back, Doug, if you, if you yeah, got cut off. Yeah, please do call. Um, so... I've gotten my notes, terzepatide. Is that yeah. one of the medicines you just mentioned? Yeah, so we talked about it, I think, two weeks ago as the up-and-coming new diabetes and weight loss treatment. Yeah. It now has a name, okay? Uh, a brand name. What is it? And i got to write this down. I don't know. Oh, you don't? Okay, well, all right. It's, it I'll looks like, it. no, no, it's Mounjaro. M-O-U-N-J-A-R-O. Oh, it's God. like Mount Kilimanjaro. Manjaro. Manjaro. Okay. And it's a unique, and I think, quite frankly, it's going to be a game changer. Yeah. Um, it has two ingredients. So, uh, Trulicity is one of my favorite medications, Ozempic, others. Yeah. And these are called GLP-1 and cretins. There's a type of protein that you inject under the skin, and basically it makes your insulin work better. Um, if you have type 2 diabetes, you have insulin. It just is not excreted so quickly. Right. It doesn't work as well. Yeah. So the GLP-1, uh, which is a natural compound found in your gut to help regulate insulin, and it works better. And the nice thing about it, too, is it not only helps your insulin levels and correct these metabolic defects for diabetics, it helps right. you lose weight. Yeah. And so they add it. Another mm. one of these incretin polypeptides called GIP. So you have GLP-1, uh -huh. which is the old-fashioned one now, the, the Ozempic and the Trulicity. And they've added GIP. And it's called Terzapeptide or Mount Kilimanjaro. No, mm. I'm sorry, Manjaro. Manjaro. And the weight loss uh, benefits is like twofold over just the Trulicity by itself. Right. And the improvement in hemoglobin A1C and diabetics is even better 
than Ozempic or Trulicity by itself. So this might be a game changer. Now it might be a pocket emptier as well. Yeah. It's going to be really expensive. I mean, really? any medicine that comes out now is prohibitively yeah. expensive. And it drives me crazy because I have so many patients whose health would benefit so much from being able to get this drug. I can tell you right now, my Medicare patients will not be able to get it because the MedD uh, prescription plans are the last to have any access to these things because of the expense. Um, if you have like Blue Cross Blue Shield Federal, you'll get it for 10 bucks. Right. Yeah, because of these coupons and, and you know, what, what do they call them? Bounce backs or, you know, rebates and all this stuff from the pharmacy benefit managers. Right. But um, it's not for type 1 diabetics. That, that's where you have no insulin at all. You need to take insulin for that. It's for type 2 diabetics. Now, the funny thing about these drugs is that if you don't have diabetes, your sugar doesn't fall. Yeah. And your weight does. So this is going to be a cornerstone of my medical weight loss um, part of my practice, right? which is not uh, anything but a health part of my practice because obesity is one of our number one problems. And I get people to lose weight all the time. And And it's a great thing. The idea that it's not covered is insane because we could easily prevent people from being diabetic or from having heart disease if they just were not obese. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Absolute. All right. We're going to talk about calcium supplements. We've talked about other supplements. Yeah. This, we mentioned the beet thing. Well, and this is a, a, a reason to not take a supplement unless your doctor tells you to. Okay. And we have, we're going to talk about it now or wait Yeah, go ahead. Talk right. about it now. So aortic stenosis is a problem, mainly the elderly now. It used to be really bad in the 30s and 20s uh, before we had antibiotics because one of the ways that you got aortic stenosis was through rheumatic fever. So you get a strep throat uh-huh. and your body would create an antibody against the strep throat, but it cross-reacted with your heart valves. So you would inflame your mitral valve, which is the valve that controls the flow of blood from the lungs to the heart. And you could also inflame the tissues of the aortic valve, which controls the flow of blood from the heart to the body. Right. And when the aortic valve doesn't open well, it's because it's calcified. Remember, we just talked a second ago about calcification of your coronary arteries due to inflammation of the body trying to get rid of the cholesterol. Well, you calcify the aortic valve and their three leaflets stick together Mm -hmm. so they can't open. And then your heart has to... To blow that heart, to blow that blood. My heart, my heart does that anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, what they found is that if you just take calcium randomly yeah. as a supplement prevention, you have much more likely to get aortic stenosis than if you don't take the calcium. So, and the reason is because when you have a higher calcium level by supplementation in your bloodstream, it encourages even more calcification on the aortic valve. Mm-hmm. So this is another reason not to just willy-nilly take things like calcium, like vitamin D, right? Um, unless you have a level drawn, okay, to see whether you actually need it or not. Yeah. Now, there are some people with osteoporosis who definitely, that's weak bones, that definitely need a calcium supplementation. Right. But you don't want to do this just willy-nilly, especially 
if you've been diagnosed with only mild aortic uh, stenosis. So, you know, if you go to the doctor and you have a murmur, which is a sound the doctor can hear, it's a whooshing sound. That it's not a diagnosis. A murmur is just a, a sign, a right. thing the doctor can hear. They do the ultrasound and you have mild to moderate aortic stenosis. You definitely don't want to take a calcium supplement unless it's indicated for another reason. And because in this same study, they showed that if you had mild to moderate aortic stenosis, which is not so bad, you don't need a valve replacement, and you took calcium, you were much more likely to need a valve replacement eventually because the aortic stenosis got worse. Okay. So just, you know, again, it's all these supplements. I talk about super beats. Um, I just looked up... (laughs) Yeah, we talked about super beats earlier. Yeah, it's got lots of great stuff in it. Uh-huh. The one there was a side effect, yeah. and I didn't talk about it. You know, any GI thing that you, anything you eat can have a GI side effect. But okay. apparently, flatulence is a oh, big one. Yeah. That's the you know. I wonder if it smells like beets. I, I don't, don't know. know. But the other one is called beeturia. Huh? Beeturia. Some people, when they eat a lot of beets, their urine turns oh. red. And then people would be worried that they're bleeding in their in their bladder or somewhere. So, all right, that's extremely rare. Sure, but oh, you know yeah. these commercials—they don't. If you have a drug, okay, yeah, 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 a, yeah, a a prescription drug, <clears throat> yes, you know, take happy pills because they'll make you happy. And then when they show all these people jumping around, this medicine can cause a stroke, heart attack, yep. death. Yep. You know, it's like, why would you take it? I it's th- going to cause all this stuff. But you notice in superbeats, yeah, since it's not a drug, it's a supplement. Yeah, they don't have. To. Can you imagine if 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 that woman, uh, she's a very famous um, uh, radio announcer who does super beats uh-huh you imagine if she said yeah this is great but you better not walk in front of your husband or he may not like the smell <laughs> you know or something like that right can cause whatever yeah. yeah all right so don't drink a cup of coffee till we talk to you because there's a study out of norway says if you're coffee might be bad for you now. coffee's good all right. coffee's De- bad details on that coming up also your phone calls 919-860-9783 this is heart health radio well you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and this is heart health radio and the heart health radio network who we shout now uh, I want to shout out the Families Against Fentanyl. Yeah. Okay? Um, the number one dude in this is Jim Raw and Sandy Snodgrass. They lost their son to fentanyl. And what I want to talk about, and this is a pet peeve of mine, mm-hmm. is that we as physicians were um, pointed at as the reason we uh, for for the overdoses of young people back four years ago yeah and they put doctors in jail Uh, i got investigated twice because i continued to write narcotics for those people who needed them um all of a sudden physicians stopped prescribing they were afraid afraid of getting invested even if you i know one my two investigations hands down but it cost me forty thousand dollars each in legal fees you got to have a lawyer to defend yourself against the dea and against the medical board. so yeah. But I won. I mean, they called up and said, yeah, you're fine. Everything's fine. But it's still, we were the ones that were, you know, the evil people prescribing these narcotics and making people die of drug overdoses. So the number of narcotics prescriptions 
has dropped in half. Yeah. The number yeah. of overdose deaths has increased by threefold. So what they tried to do by intimidating doctors and getting rid of opioid prescriptions, uh, they also had older folks who were in severe pain and couldn't get their, their opioids anymore. They were committing suicide, okay? So what's mm. happened is that since and initially you, people couldn't get uh, the prescription medications they needed for pain, they went to the black market and they started buying illicit Percocets off the street yeah. and then others turned to heroin. <clears throat> and what happened is that the borders are now open in the South and the cartels oh, yeah. are running the uh, immigration scams. So every one of these people that comes over the border has to pay $5,000 to a cartel. Wow. And the cartels are coordinating with the U.S. government as to when to bring these people over. Oh, my. And they're bringing over fentanyl. There's enough fentanyl now every month coming over with the illegal immigrants to kill every single man, woman, and child in the United States of America. That's how much fentanyl is coming in on board. Wow. And so we've we got to do something about this because there are um, hundreds of thousands of young people in the prime of their lives right. either overdosing and winding up in the hospital or dying. And right. This is fentanyl. They're 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 stamping out fentanyl to look like a Percocet, even with the you know how these pills have, you know, initials put in. Them. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they're popping these things, and the dose is a uh, you know fifty times what a Percocet is, because they don't. It, it's so cheap. Right. You right. just don't even bother to check the purity. And you know, before when heroin would come over, they were very cautious. These drug dealers and cutting it to a certain level with milk sugar so they could, you know, expand it. Now you get a bunch of, of fentanyl pills. Who cares uh, what the, right. the uh, strength is? Right. Because it's so cheap. And you just give them away, a candy. And oh so these two individuals <clears throat> are starting an anti-fentanyl uh, group. And I want you guys um, and gals out there uh, our listeners, mm-hmm. uh, if you can find out about founder, the Families Against Fentanyl, FAF, and if you can contribute, if you want to join, mm-hmm. um, I have uh, a very, very close patient, Valinda Barefoot, who lost her son uh, to a fentanyl overdose, and she works day and night uh, to try to stop this from happening to right. any other family. Someone called a couple of moments ago, wanted the spelling on Manjaro. You're, yeah. You're, I just had it. Hold yeah, on. No, I've got it right here. But you're, M-O-U-N-J-A-R-O. And it is out. Um, you need to talk to mm-hmm. uh, your physician. Right. I think it's a game changer. Uh, you're going to lose weight, um, a lot of it. Uh, and you're, if you're a diabetic, you're A1C should come down your sugar should come down um side effects you need to know nausea mm-hmm. diarrhea yeah. if you or your loved one a relative has had a certain type of thyroid cancer you cannot take this medication um, because it might promote um this thyroid cancer it's kind of strange but it's only limited to uh, this multiple endocrine neoplastic syndrome, talk to your doctor about it. It's listen. It's not subtle. You know yeah. if you 
had it. Yeah. Um, and then the um, other issue um, with it besides the nausea and the vomiting is something called pancreatitis. And I'd say one in a hundred can get an inflamed pancreas from this. Now, the other thing is if you've had pancreatitis before, uh, for example, a gallbladder or stone sticking in the pancreas duct, you don't want to take it because it raises the chance. But these are all rare situations. The nausea and vomiting is not necessarily rare. Um, you need to watch out for that. But I'm telling you, this is a game changer. And I hope that we can get it for our seniors who are on Medicare or Medicare Part D because it's going to work great. You know, the, the I, and I talked about this whole w- preventative. We don't we don't pay for yeah. what we should for preventative. Right. It's it's like home stuff. Well, here's the interesting thing. Yeah. You look at it this way. If you can get Monjero when you're obese. Yeah. You may prevent needing Monjero when you're a diabetic cuz right. you won't be a diabetic, right? Right. Okay. Isn't that interesting? This study from Norway, <laughs> study from Norway, three to five cups of coffee a day. <clears throat> makes your voice hoarse. Yeah, makes your voice <laughs> It's it, it, They said it has problems, heart problems. Yeah. Um, the Norskis. Yeah, I'm but, half, you know I'm half Norwegian. I, I knew that. Yes. Vefalt, W-E-F-A-L-D, is a Norwegian name. Yeah. And it, apparently, this is only coffee in a French press. I don't Which is that. rare we around here, people I don't, don't drink. It actually, that way. French press coffee is really good. It's very yeah, delicious. It's very yeah. good. delicious. But, but the point is, one uh, study said increases your uh, heart attack risk. It's bull. Um, the bottom line in all these other studies, yeah. Okay, and 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 I'm going to talk about cranberry juice in a minute. Okay? Oh yeah, you got about a minute. So yeah. this is this is a retrospective study where they said, hey, you had a heart attack. Do you like French press coffee? Oh, you do. Yeah. Well, more people who had a heart attack in this study drank from a French press oh, yeah. than those who didn't have a heart attack. It, it's just, you know, it could be coincidental. Sure. But people publish these things not just because they're academic and they have to publish or perish. Right. But it's a catchy story. Yeah. Chicken catchy story. Yeah. And <laughs> basically they get themselves on the media and that's how you get tenure now. Not by publishing. Right. But by getting on TV. Okay. Right. Now now that you've told us not to trust any stories, no, I, there's I'm something saying, about cranberries. Yeah. Okay. Here's a nice study. Yeah. And it says a cup of cranberries a day may be tied to better memory. Okay. Now, it was a small study, yeah. but it was done the right way. Yeah. They took healthy adults and they gave half of them cranberry powder. Yeah. And that's equivalent to 100 grams of fresh cranberries. I don't how much how many grams in a I don't know, but you're running out of time. So okay, the, well, anyway, and then the other half, yeah. no cranberries. And they and? tested them in a year, yeah. and the guys and gals who had the cranberries had better cognitive function. That's I mean, great. you know, and cranberries can't hurt you. Okay. So why not? All right, why not? We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.